1: and 365 day returns.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahida, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range, and a car finance specialist on site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See BlackstoneMotors.ie.
3: Welcome to Late lunch on this final day of May. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Wasn't it
2: gorgeous?
3: Saturday and yesterday. Oh, my word. Continuing today and tomorrow. Ah, Look, it won't be bad for the rest of the week either. The temperatures are staying good. A little bit of change. But... uh, no return to that cold, frosty, and Clement weather that we've uh, enjoyed for the uh, six weeks before this time. Yes, uh, indeed, it's great to welcome a, a taste of summer in Ireland. It's simply, simply beautiful. I so enjoyed the weekend, and I'm sure so many of you did as well. Welcome to the show this uh, Monday afternoon. We're only three, three weeks away from the longest day. Three weeks, the 21st of June. When you think about it, where has it gone? Only a while ago. We were a talking about the clocks changing and the, the days getting longer oh it zips along it really does tempest fugit for sure and uh, time will fly over the next couple of hours as well uh, my artist of the week you'll be dancing on the ceiling I promise you all week with this fella Paula Stokes is joining me she has a wonderful exhibition about uh, the famine in Ireland before she jets away to Seattle or adopted home tomorrow she's chatting to us on the show historian Sean Collins is here Monthly feature on Ireland a hundred years ago in 1921. Yes, the bloodshed continued as efforts were being made to uh, garner a treaty on the island. We'll be talking to Sean Run about half past two. Linda Buckley's here as well with an update. She's finally tracked down. Who her mother actually was Lovely lady And I'm delighted to have her back with us on the show today If you want to join in Don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658 You and WhatsApp or text me Directly to the studio here eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. If you'd like to call in But we start today with the Whole area of breaks, holidays, and it's looking like it really is with uh, international travel coming back, yes, from the 18th of July. It will take time to get going and most people, or I should say very many people, are looking at staycations again this year. But the cost is an issue for sure. Is there value? Is it too costly? I'm delighted to say I'm joined again today on the show by a former star of LMFM Radio, now star East Coast Radio, Jason Collins. Good afternoon. Hiya, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining me again on the show. Now, we spotted you in recent days talking about your staycation. First of all, will you tell us, have you got a booking?
4: Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, we've, we've, we took our time, and maybe we were a little bit late. I think this is part of the problem, Jerry. We were a little bit late getting it sorted, so mm. things were starting to book up, and I guess when things started to get booked up, the prices for, were, were starting to go up as well. Mm. So we were always looking at booking somewhere in Munster or Kerry. And after after a while, we we got somewhere. But uh, it didn't go to plan at the start.
3: Yes, and that's why you're talking to me today. Tell us what happened. One particular incident, um, what you were quoted.
4: Yeah, so I'll tell you about this. So we wanted to go down to Kerry and we wanted to go down to Dingle. And I know Dingle is probably what? It's got to be in the top five tourist spots of of the whole country. I knew it was going to be pricey. Um, I contacted a few places and we were looking to stay in a hotel. So I know there's caravan parks and there's this and that, and you can, you know, there's loads of options, but we wanted to go in a hotel because it was part of three or four stops and we were only there for three or four days. So I rang up the guy, spoke to him, lovely chap, you know, in fairness, can't, can't fault that. He, I said, look, this is, this is what we need. It's myself, my wife, two boys, eight and 11 years old. We're looking for a room, family room. You know, double bed uh, with two singles or even a bunk bed or whatever. But then the guy says to me, Jerry, he says, OK, we do have something, and he, and, uh, but it's going to cost €1,720. And I just said, hang on a sec, did you say so? And he said, yes, this is the way it breaks down. He said it's going to be €155 euro per adult. Then the kids get charged €35 euro each. At that point, when he was giving me the breakdown, I was going, OK, all right, OK, it sounds pricey. But the bit that kind of stopped me in my tracks, he goes, also, you're going to be staying in the new part of the hotel, and that's, we're going to charge you an extra €50 per night because you're in the new part of the hotel. So at at that, I just kind of stopped, and I went, look, it's a lot of money just for four days. And and, and I said it to the guy on the phone, and he goes, I know it is a lot of money, but uh, we are busy, and we are getting bookings. He wasn't annoyed by what I said. He Mm. could sense, he just went, it's an economic reality. We're very busy, and we can, you know, we can charge what we want. And I understand from their point of view they want to recoup uh, lost revenues over the year during covid and that. Yeah. But we go to Lanzarote usually once a year or somewhere like that and we were just comparing like for like myself and the wife and we just we couldn't justify couldn't justify that amount of money for 4 days.
3: Mm. Would you get a week uh, from that money in Lanzarote or would it cost you less or more?
4: Um well, We've, we've paid more a little bit more but I know yeah. you can get it for that I know you can yes, get it okay. for
3: that. a week away and that's flights accommodation and transfers and everything included for that so 1720 for a four night stay for two adults and two children which Jason passed on anybody listening today doing well in terms of booking staycations or found the same thing that it's been pricey we want to hear from you on the show the numbers 086 1800 658 whatsapp or text me now or you can call in on 1850 1850- 715958. Okay, so that is a lot of money. It is for a four-night stay. There's no doubt about that. Now, I will say, in fairness, as you mentioned yourself, there are probably alternative options that you could go and get more cost-effectively.
4: Absolutely, 100%. And, I'm not, and I know I know, there's people who will come back and say, you know, you're looking at a four-star hotel. But I would say just, that's the price that I was quoted, I believe, really, is a five-star price. for. But I was yes. getting four-star quality from it. So I don't think it's like for like, but what I what the thing with me was, I just couldn't justify that amount of money for you know possibly going down to a hotel where you you might get rained mm. rained on. Mm. And I've gone to, we've we we do a lot of staycations and we have done the last three four years. We've been lucky that we can get away to the sun as well abroad and hopefully get away as well. But we try to manage the money. But you 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 can't be guaranteed with weather. Like even in your intro there, Jerry, you were talking about the last six weeks, the horrific mm. the, the weather being so up and down. So and we've gone away to Cork and been on the beach and, and been rained on, but we, st- we still do it. So $1,720 seemed a lot to me to pay for, for four nights in a hotel in an area where it could potentially, uh, be, you know, be inclement weather-wise. Oh, yes. Whereas you know when you're going abroad that you're, you're going to get... Pretty much,
3: yes. Nine, nine, oh, ten, yeah. Ten good weather. Yeah, a- absolutely, and, and and we know that, and that is the huge attraction with it. Is is it brought off the agenda for you this year?
4: Well, we're hoping to book for the end of the year and right. maybe go away for go away for Christmas. But it is for now. It is for now. I just I don't feel comfortable yet or ready to. Yeah. You know. It, to get on a plane and to be in such close quarters with people, unless I'm sure that everybody's been vaccinated, mm. self-included, mm. I'm just not comfortable with it. So um, we're, not in a, we're not in the rush to be getting on a plane and that. But I know there's lots of people who are. Yes. It's, just, it's, it's, not, it's not for
3: us at the moment. You know. OK, but you, uh, coming back to what I mentioned to you first, you have a booking. You have a booking in Kerry as well, and you're happy with it. You feel it was value for money
5: yeah
4: we feel it was value for money, yeah exactly. It came in a lot a lot less than than what we paid seventeen nice yeah it isn't as fancy as, as a hotel, but that's we can live with that because it's it's met the budget of, of of where we're going and what and what yeah. the route is but I will say this jerry when i I posted this on my facebook page, you know, and I think I tend to use Facebook as a bit of a moaning ground now, and'm probably getting a bad name <laughs> else, but uh <laughs> but uh, I, I really, really it was just like it was half in jest and half a bit of a moan but the amount of people who posted on it who were really up in arms because like I'm lucky that I could pay a few extra quid and we could afford to do it but there's a lot of people who can't who feel they're priced out they're priced out of going to really where they want to go because the prices have been uh, jacked up more yes, than they
3: should. Just see a message there popping in as I speak to you. Hotel in Bundorin. Um Let me have a look at there. Sixteen hundred euro for four nights, full board, three adults and three children.
5: Hmm. Okay, that's not bad.
4: That's full not board. Bad. Yeah. That's dinner and breakfast as well. Yeah, the the that.
3: works, the works. You had done it, but you had in your pocket. That's everything in your accommodation, your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, all there. That's decent for three and that's three. Decent.
5: That's yeah. Decent. That's yeah, a decent I, one. I could,
4: I could live with that, I could live with yeah. that, but not, uh, not if we had to, ours didn't even have that, so we, no. we'd, have to, we'd have to go paying pay whatever extra it's going to cost for the forest, have dinner every night. Too. Yes. So it would have jacked it up a, a, a lot more than that, you know.
3: Yeah, so but yours, uh, and just to, to make sure people understand that, yours was for bed and breakfast.
4: Bread and breakfast in the new part in the new part
3: of the hotel. In the new part of the hotel fifty euro extra a night for that and uh, when you put it all together it came in at seventeen twenty if you're listening to us today and you have booked and you've got value or you're not happy with what you were offered let us know 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now and um, I, I noticed yesterday you were on Port Marnock Beach yesterday and as you know I was, uh, yeah. there's a I, I know uh, family members of mine who went to Anagasin yesterday and were mm-hmm. turned away by the Gardie because of the numbers there what was Port Marnock like?
4: It was jammers it was, was jammers it? and actually mm. we, we we went there last two weekends in a row um, when the restrictions allowed us obviously and all that and so this time around, I noticed there was a huge jump in numbers. And, you know, it is a great grand long beach and you can fit a lot of people on it. But there was a moment where me, myself and my wife, we looked at each other and went, really, will we go down here? Is this going to be safe now? You know, because we haven't got our vaccines yet. We're still waiting. Luckily, I'm, I'm still on the young, the young side of things.
3: <laughs> Good man, Jason. <laughs> stay there. Stay there,
4: stay Jason. There, stay <laughs> there. So, but we went on it and, it, you know, eventually we walked down and we found once we sat down, we had, we had our little... Uh, uh, the little chairs with us and once we had our little area we had enough of a distance around us yeah. where we weren't squashed in and the boys actually had a swim and stuff actually what I would say was disappointing was the amount of people drinking on the beach
5: Jerry. Mm. and
4: I know getting off topic but yeah. all around us And it wasn't just the Irish. It wasn't just the Irish. It was it was like United Nations of people drinking drinking on the beach. And I just thought it wasn't a good look. One woman tipsy with a beer in her hand chasing after her chasing after her child.
3: Yeah, not good at all. Not good at all, Jason. No, no. And uh, you know, um, you know, I have it here on, on my things to talk about today. I think as well, it's you know, after such a long time of people being you know restricted, and now the exuberance. Tied in with the good weather, just is a recipe for what you're talking about.
4: You're right, actually, and you know, some people might say you have to give people a pass card for that. You have to let it's it's just normal that people are going to go a little bit, uh, not a little bit OTT, or they're going to let their hair down a bit, and and I get that. But you wouldn't want to see it every weekend becoming a becoming a habit because I think it'd be a nightmare cleaning up the bottles for whoever the people are who have to do that afterwards. Hopefully, when the pubs open up. People can go back and they can get their they can get their points in there and their drinks and mm. all that, and then the beaches can go back. Yes, bit,
3: you know, yes, right? and I think that's that that is the issue at the minute. But we still say to people there is still COVID out there. There are still you know recommendations we should be thinking of, and behaviour in public is very very important. And example the children as well. There's one in two hundred and eighty three per person a week in Lanzarote, including flights. The first week of July, so that you know what I mean. That puts yeah. in context two eighty three per person uh, for for a week there, and that's what you're talking about in terms of differential. I believe you have a cake and candles to light in that house this evening. You know, you know everything
4: about me, don't you? It's it remind me of Eamon Andrews. Remember, this is your life with the red book. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's my it's my little lad's birthday today. He's eight years old today, so. Today's been all about <laughs> prepping that and sure. making sure. Like we we live in a duplex apartment so we're not able to have people in for for. We don't have a back garden, I mean, or yes. to have to have people in for a party. But we're we're going to make it a great day for my son, and um and uh, surely he's going to get spoiled rotten all the presents mm. and stuff. And <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, when when it, when when we're able to, we'll yeah. have a proper big party for him great. and get people in and stuff. So. You're very
3: good for for signing up. Ah, we wish him happy birthday. Luciano, happy birthday today, young man. Enjoy and they are going to have a great day. Jason, you're great. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Jason Collins there. Now, I have Terry Kelly on the line. Hello, Terry.
6: Hello, Jerry. How are you doing?
3: I'm very good. And you're on to chat to me about this subject as well, because you do believe, right, you can experience what Jason experienced there and the costs are, are high. But you, you've had a slightly different experience.
6: Yes. Um, well, we're kind of known in the family as, you know, going on these little mini breaks all the time. Um, it's just my husband and I. And, um, you know, in the winter time or in summer time or whatever. And I've a habit of going on uh, the different uh, websites. And there's a few of them there. And I was just looking at them up there before the program. And there's great value to be got in these breaks. But first of all, just to say, like, we're going away now at the end of June mm. and we're having a five day break. Now, I kind of did it individually myself, like a little travel agent. So, we're going down to Ballycastine and Tipperary, then we're on to Cork for two days, round to Clare for one night, and back up to Port Lee to visit uh, relations there. And it's working out at roughly 386, 390 for the two of us for those days bed and breakfast. And then we have a habit of bringing, you know, the flask for during the day and getting a few takeaway cakes or whatever.
2: (laughs) Good woman.
6: Yeah. So kind of that's kind of roughly what we got. And I got another break then for September. Yeah. I was just looking up stuff and just to show, just to kind of tell you, there's like Irish mini breaks, which is an Irish company. I think they're out in Blanchardstown. Dave is the man. And um, they do great value. You can ring them directly or go online. Then you've got little breaks. We have one, two, three dot IE breaks and Irish, uh, oh yeah, said Irish mini breaks. But anyway, just uh, for example, like the Clannard Court down in Athai, they have a five night break for 410 euro from Sunday to Thursday for July and August. And all And you just pay them uh, for the meals, you Mm, know, mm. uh, for the kids or whatever. And then the other one, uh, Dave was just saying, that a lot of people um, are veering off going to Dublin at the moment. You know, there's great value in Dublin. Um, Again, four-star hotels, the Clayton Hotel and all that, and you can get from 79 euro per night. Yes. So, again, there's great availability and you've, like... If you go say out to the Burlington Hotel out there, you've got like Dunleary, you've Glen Lock, you've all out that way. Yes. Or you could go um the other way as in Taito Park and uh, the zoo and all that, you know. So I think there's people are getting a bit frightened about oh my god, it's going to cost a lot of money but you can shop around and really do get the bargains, yes. you know. Yes. And it. These hotels need to fill the room, so they're they're full of value, mm. you know, mm. and I think it's just maybe the other people that might be a bit under pressure or a little bit yes. greedy, yes. you know, taking yeah. advantage.
3: Yeah, you know. and, and, and that is, is a point well made. I see it up in lights. Terry Kelly travel. I see it. I can see it now. <laughs> it's going to happen. You're
6: fantastic. It's you really is. are. They'll think that you're my partner.
3: You see, Jerry and telly. Oh, hey, Jerry. there you are. It's even getting better. The name develops. The business is growing. We're going to launch now. We're looking for seed capital. If you're listening to us today, oh, listen, you're fantastic. But it does show you, Terry, seriously, uh, with the uh, people you mentioned there. And if you do a little bit of homework and, you know, look and search, there is value to be had. That's your message today. There is. There is,
6: Jerry, And just just to point out to you that a lot of these hotels, Jerry, have swimming pools. You know, they would be three and four star and a lot of them would have the pools. But if you're stuck for the rain, you know, that there is the pool there for the kids and uh, lots of kind of bring lots of board games with you as well and kind of making the fun. I mean, the fact that you're actually just away, different out of your own garden, out of your own area, that can be just a holiday in itself, you know, and pack the picnic tables. Mmm. And whatever you know. Yeah. The pack the lot
3: and bring it with you and do what this woman does. I believe you're an avid listener and you have family up this neck of the woods too.
6: I have. Uh, we have two lovely nieces, um, Sinead and Marion, and their families. They live uh, Ballymackenny Road and uh, Mill Millmount, and then my husband is on the lovely. Village of Julianstown. Oh, great! So, uh, great memories of the El Molino down there. Oh
3: as well. my! Oh my! The El Molino. And if you saw it now? The state of it's oh. in bits.
6: Well, we had God. well. Yeah, it's very sad to see it. We had our wedding reception there. We're gotcha. forty years married this year, and ah. we had the wedding reception there. Um, great all those time ago anyway.
3: uh, listen it's great to talk to you and you're fantastic you really are well done for coming on and uh, letting us in on a few little secrets of where to go to look for the breaks this year do you ever go abroad?
6: Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. yeah. We oh, yeah. We love Tenerife and we we yes. go to Portugal and Spain. Oh, yeah. We love the holidays as well. But just at the moment now, you do, yeah, 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 you, you don't, you don't go there. Know. You know. So
3: anyway, we'll we, we, we'll have you back when the flying starts to get more hint and tips f- from you outside of <laughs> Ireland. Terry, you're fantastic. Lovely to talk to you today.
6: Keep up the good work. God bless.
3: Take bye. care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Terry Bye-bye. Kelly uh, listening uh, to us in Dublin this afternoon and joining in. Have you anything to say? Have you found expense? Have you found good value? What's the story in Ireland this year? Staycations? Any thoughts on abroad? Love to hear from you. 086 1800 658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. First break of the week on the last day of May. Thanks indeed. Uh, lots of messages coming into us about holiday staycations and breaks. Jerry, a boot Clarny for four nights from the 21st of June. 440 for four nights. 110 a night for room only. It would be 500 if we wanted breakfast. It'll have to be McDonald's at this stage. Very hard to find somewhere. Funnier thing is, Airbnbs are far dearer. In England and Europe, yes, they're cheaper than here. That is for sure. And just to say, we went to Lanzarote two years ago. It was €600 Euro for seven nights, including flights and bags, says a listener to us this afternoon on Late Lunch. Um, let me go to more of them here. There's lots popping in, even as I speak to you. Two adults, two children. I got the Riverside Hotel in Wexford for three nights. Uh, breakfast and one evening meal, ice cream for the children on arrival, a day trip out as well, 474. Uh, a comment on the beaches yesterday, I mentioned Anna Gaston, we were talking to Jason about Port Marnock, clock head yesterday, Jerry, far too many on the beach and nowhere to park um hi jerry i'm going to carry with my husband for a week in june not a hotel staying in a lovely b&b 560 very reasonable can't wait says another listener and uh, that's uh, yeah we got that one on Bondor, and i mentioned that a moment ago and more besides popping into me here jeepers i can't keep up with them here on the whatsapp as they pop in um another one here let me see can i tell you what this one is saying yeah um Happy with the deal I got. Two nights B&B and dinner on one night in Port Leash. Two adults, two children. Just have to pay a little extra for the children's meal. That's midweek in August, says Siobhan. And I'm happy with that for our break. Keep them coming to me. Breaks, holidays, what are you paying? What are you finding out? 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. After two on late lunch, Linda Buckley. She's found all, found out all about her ma'am. But taking us towards news and weather at two. Yes. It is. It's here. Texas are right. The summer sun is with us at long last. Enjoy. Enjoy. I'll say hello to Brida from Dundalka called in to tell me that she booked a four-night stay in Jury's Hotel in Galway, a €1,000. Four nights, Jury's. Galway... Uh, she wonders, Galway's expensive. Why is it so expensive? it's an expensive city to stay in that's just it Galway's expensive for everything it really is and I don't mean to put people off but it is that type of place people want to live in to be in to stay in to visit that's it and the the market demands you'll enjoy it Brady you will you'll love it beautiful beautiful place Galway one of my favourite places in Ireland I have to say it really really is Tommy's been on from Italy great to hear from you this afternoon you're right Tommy that is my artist of the week I just won't reveal him yet but as I said they'll be dancing on the ceiling when they hear for sure um, Jerry Kelly they're not your favourite club but after Chelsea's fantastic Champions League triumph on Saturday you've got to give a play to the Chelsea anthem blue is the colour that comes in from Jerry and Navin football is the game we're all together and winning is the aim and they certainly won I didn't see the match I was fishing on Saturday evening uh, but I believe Chelsea deserved the win City the Holy Grail Evades them still. Two Champions Leagues for Chelsea. Look, I have nothing against Chelsea, to be honest. I loved them as a club, especially years ago. Uh, in the old Stamford Bridge and that. But, you know, this man Abramovich, there's no doubting he, he knows how to do it. He hires and fires at will and it yields dividends. It's as simple as that. I'll see what I can do later on in the show. Anyway, you're lucky you're blue and not red and white, to be sure. Um, I have to say that to you today, Jerry. Now we move on on late lunch because this is a story... We've been following for a while on the show. Linda Buckley has told us the story on a number of occasions about her mam and Tina McCockery. McCockery, McCockery is the pronunciation she'll tell me anyway. Well-known lady uh, from uh, Navin in County Meath, passed away in 2014. But her mum wasn't the mum, her real mum or Bert mum, should I say. And uh, back with us on the line with an update is Linda Buckley. Hello, Linda. Hiya! Linda, correct me, William, on the pr- pronunciation. McCockery, is that right?
7: McCockery.
3: McCockery. Okay, there's a knell in it, is there?
7: Yeah. McCockery.
3: Yeah. Okay, thank you. So people will have known her, Aunt Tina McCockery, well known lady in the area, passed away in 2014. Just a quick summary of her story. She was abandoned as a newborn.
7: She was. She was abandoned in 1939, found in a garden. Um, and believed to be a few days old at the time. Um, but nobody, no parents came forward. Nobody was ever found. So she was placed for adoption. Um, the door, the courts gave her her name and they gave her her estimated date of birth. They estimated her date of birth was the day, the 31st of May. Mm. Um, so that was the day she, she celebrated as her birthday. But she spent her whole life searching for answers. Um, You know, who was she? She wanted to know her parents. She craved a family so much. She had her children. She had us and her her, her husband. But she wanted a sister. She wanted, you know, a family of her own. Mm. Um, And so she set on a lifelong journey of of searching and she never got anywhere. Nobody would help her Um, for so many reasons. She just never found the answer she was looking for. Mm. So when she, when she passed away, I made a promise to her that I would continue her search because it was it meant so much to her. Um, but it was a long, it's been a long journey. It's been a long search uh, that I have spent, I'd say, the guts of six years looking. Mm. Um, my sisters, my two sisters done DNA tests and we were, lots of results came back because we didn't have a birth name. Anybody else who's adopted would have a, a birth name somewhere that would link them to their family, but because my mother was a foundling, we had nothing. Um, so we My sister's done the DNA tests, um, and we received thousands of matches, but very distant matches. Um, and just as I was about to give up, I decided I would do a DNA match, not a, a DNA test. Sorry, with a different company, not expecting a whole lot more than my sister's but I thought I'd give it one more try and lo and behold up popped a first cousin Mm. and I knew the first cousin was not belonging to my dad's side of the family so the only side that this person could be from was my mother's. Wow. Um, It was amazing it was just the best feeling ever Mm. Um, and we have been so lucky because from finding our first cousin obviously that led us to our grandparents. Now obviously my mum was born 1939 her parents are both dead. Yes. Um sadly her siblings, her birth siblings have also passed away. But we have found four amazing cousins um that have been so welcoming and so accepting and we're get looking forward to get getting to know them a bit better. Um and we know information about her parents and her brothers and sisters that we would never have known before. Okay. And um, so, like I said, it's been a long, a lot. I've learned yes. so much about, you know, the times that were back then, and we don't know why. We don't know why my mother was abandoned, but that's none of our business.
2: mm but no, you found,
3: definitely. you do know, so your mum's, you're, you're 100% sure you found your mum's dad, which would be your yeah. granddad. That is, there's no doubt about that now. You've no. you've nailed that down. As regards her, her mother, or your granny, what's the story there?
7: Well, we have narrowed through the DNA matches. You can link the DNA to, it's, it's long and winded, but you can link the matches to all sides of the family. Mm. So I've been able to link all the matches to all sides of my cousin's grandfather, which would be my grandfather. So there's no doubt there whatsoever. Um, The mother we believe is one of four sisters, because all the all the other rest of the DNA leads back to their family. Mm. Um, You don't have enough time for me to go into it. No, no, no.
3: But
5: we know
7: it's we know it's one of those four. Okay. yeah.
3: So you've narrowed it down to that to to 104. And uh, I look I am assuming here I assume that woman wasn't his wife or, or, or was n- Well, no.
7: It, you know, I want to be respectful yep. because times are so different now. Um mm. I hold nothing no judgment no nothing against um what happened. Yes. We believe that the the mother could have been his wife. Um, but there is also a strong possibility that she could have been one of her, let's say, one of her family members.
3: Yes,
5: okay.
7: Um, So there are other people going to do uh, DNA tests, and after those results, we should be fairly... I already have it in my head. I I think I already know what the answer will be, but we need to get the results of the the Mm. other DNA tests.
3: Tell me this. When you look at... uh images of your cousins and that is the resemblance there
7: oh absolutely there's a picture of my uh, grandfather and my mother who are very alike mm. um the the lady we believe to be the mother her sisters and herself as younger in younger days are the image of my mother at the same age my nephew is very like my cousin's one of my cousin's fa- um, father father um, the likeness is unreal and you're always weary of photographs because sometimes you can see what you want to see. Mm. But in every picture I can see people from the family. They're very, very alike. My mm. mother and one one lady in particular, they could be twins, <laughs> um, very alike. Isn't
3: that fantastic? It just yeah. uh, nails it down even more. Have you met these cousins?
7: Um, well, one lives in America, one lives in Australia. Ah. Two, two live in America. Sorry, one in Australia and one in England, and with restrictions and all yes, of that, we've yes. not been able to do anything. Yes, because
3: for... this has only happened in in recent yes. months. This is this is yes. fresh news. This is adding to the story and almost closing the circle. You're nearly there at this stage, uh, and absolutely. and that will will happen, of course. So they're spread to the four uh, corners of the globe at the minute. Do you hope? Are you hoping to meet them?
7: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, we will definitely at some stage meet them and um, keep in touch. It's, it's you know it's it's strange, but it, it just feels like I have a little piece of my mum in the world still. Um, we yes. miss her so much, mm. and she it meant so much to her that we find her family and that we we, as her children, knew and know where she came from. Oh, so yes, you but- know we're so we're so glad and happy to have met them that. We're not good. They're not going to get rid of us that
3: easily. And wouldn't she have loved it herself to actually, you know, uh, understand? But it's it's fantastic for you and your sisters and the family that this happens. For for herself, uh, you mentioned she was born, and that's why we're talking today. It would be her birthday this day. uh, Your mum, Tina's birthday, but. she she did actually do some searching herself and she found details of a baby born on that day in 1939 and she was really desperate to uh you know say this was her seed and breed wasn't she yeah
7: yeah she was 100% but
3: that really wasn't that wasn't the case that turned out not to be her
7: no it wasn't her the the my sisters and i always thought that there was we had our doubts mm. about that um about what she had found but she's like i said she so desperately wanted a family that she made everything fit yeah and then her health started to decline she ended up uh, with dementia so that's where everybody's focus turned to then so Mm -hmm. it was only after she died then that we you know were able to pick it up again and i i ran with us
3: Yes, because yeah, you, you established then that the the child she thought she was actually hadn't survived only a few days, that's all.
7: That's right, 10 yeah. days she died lesser. yeah,
3: Yeah, my God, and that's what she left this world thinking of. But I, I, I have to say, I hand it to you that you have... Been, you know, you have, you could have easily let this go, you know what I mean, and and, and not bothered. Oh. But there was obviously something within you and the uh, the others, your uh, sisters as well, to to keep pursuing this. And obviously, look at what the developments in terms of the testing and everything and matching has yeah. been a, a godsend for you.
7: You know, it's it's amazing because my mother was found with nothing but the blanket she was wrapped in. We had nothing to go on. But in a world of billions, all I had was literally a little bit of spiff in a tube to get my DNA. It's the one thing her parents passed to my mother and my mother passed down to us and that was the key. Mm. You know, and you know, like I said, in a world of billions, we found them. So to anybody that's out there on their search, that's looking and about to give up, don't. Because if I can do it, With nothing to go on, so can they. And it's so worth it when you do. Mm. It really is.
3: That is the message today Uh, you're bringing to us here on LMFM Radio's Late Lunch to say to people that's the real reason you want to say to people don't give up keep going there's always a way and you never just know what you know as you say as simple as that just a little bit of saliva or whatever that can be taken from and look at the linkages that can be made. God there's going to be some party you have a lot of travelling to do I'm just thinking here you'll have a lot of air miles.
7: Absolutely. Holidays galore now when the the restrictions are over. Yeah,
3: and we've been talking about the cost of staycations and holidays. You won't be worrying. (laughs) You'll have free accommodation wherever you're going. You just have to book the flights. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's a great story. And I know we've spoken on a number of occasions and you're very kind yeah. to come back to us Thank on you. this day, the day uh, uh, which would have been the 31st of May, your mother's birthday. And we want to remember Anne Tina uh today on the show. Well-known lady in, uh, the, uh, in County Meath and beyond in our time. Uh, and yeah. uh, we now know that the circle is just within a whisker of being closed right round. And uh, Linda Buckley, Christine Keane and Claire Rafferty, uh, the daughters, know who they are and that they have uh, cousins alive and well all over this little planet of ours. Listen, Linda, you're great and uh, thank you indeed and I wish you well. And when the story does come to a conclusion, I'm sure we'll have one more conversation at least
7: absolutely
3: and thank you so much not at all it's great to talk to you again it's really thank uplifting you. thank you Linda thank take you. care of yourself you. bye bye isn't that something else isn't that a really uplifting story that you know Linda has the details now she knows who's who she's the picture established there well done to her and I'm delighted for her uh, on this special day that she's been able to say to us look we've kept going and uh, it's yielded dividends for us Late Lunch LMFM Radio still to come on this afternoon show historian Sean Collins will be with us in a wee while reflecting on Ireland 1921 at this time a uh, regular feature here on Late Lunch each month during the uh, centenary anniversary of that special year of my Artist of the Week and we'll be talking also today about a wonderful exhibition Remembering Victims of the Famine <laughs> Yeah, the Beatles and Here Comes the Sun and your late launch this Monday afternoon on a sunny on the show today thank you for all your comments I want to dedicate that one there firstly to Noel and Bernie McCormick from Bally best grandparents in the world that message comes in from the crew in Shrewsbury in England Mayo and Terman Fecken. and uh, have a happy day to Noel and Bernie McCormick this afternoon Uh, delighted to hear the news uh, about Linda and her mum says Angela McDonough who's a very good friend from school of Linda's thanks indeed Angela nice to hear from you today in the show getting back to the breaks and uh, the cost of them uh, going to meet my granddaughters for the first time one in Galway one in Cork I'm staying at the Parkhouse Hotel in Galway two nights b bank holiday weekend 498 euro three nights in the Metropole Hotel in Cork uh, b one evening meal one afternoon tea and parking 558 euro I'm happy enough with the prices, says Donald. Well done to you, Donald. Thanks for letting us know. Hi, Jerry. Another place to go is Westport. Ah, oh, lovely, lovely Westport. What a beautiful town. It's good value, I have to say, Jerry. The Greenway uh, walks. You just love the people as well. So nice and friendly. Loads of things to do. You could climb the Reek on the way to Lewisburg and Karowinsky Beach. I know it. It's a lovely, lovely place. What a lovely place to be thinking of today to go to for a break. Takeaway. Louise, you've noticed um, something else there that you'd uh, want to mention.
8: Yeah, there's a lot of deals on pigsback.com. Right. There's one, just to give you an example, there is one in a hotel and spa in County Galway and it's €89 Euro, uh, per night for the room. And that's um, that includes full Irish breakfast, a glass of Prosecco uh, per person, um, use of the leisure facilities, and 20 euro spa product credit. Mm. And if you want to bring your kids, uh, kids up to three can stay free of charge. And then over f- between four and 12, you pay 10 euro per night B okay. And then over that, 20 euro BNB. That's right. steal compared yeah. to prices we've been hearing like. yeah
3: that's, that's a good price so pigsback.com there are, are deals to be had in there as well you know I think as Terry said to us earlier on it, it, it takes i a devil for that as well you know not doing it not searching you know what mm. I mean if you put in a bit of time and look round and, and do a bit of work there are deals to be had that's for sure there is expense and there is expensive uh, package as well but you know it's a market it's a free market the, the demand is there Louise you know, oh yeah, and will at the pay minute, it. Yep. there is,
8: and yep. I suppose people have want to kind of make up for being yeah, closed for a year, and you can understand true. that. too. That's
3: true. And look at all the money that's been uh, saved in that period of time that we hear about as well. You know that people, you know, people are looking to spend now at, at mm-hmm. this time. But and an,
8: another tip I've kind of, I've, mm-hmm. well, I've come across during my search. search it seems to be um, apartments that are used during the year for students. Say for Cork University. yeah, And you can rent a, a whole apartment there for a week, say for as little as 800 quid. Mm, OK,
3: so there's value to be had in areas like that if you do do a bit of research. Wasn't the weekend just lovely? I just Amazing. saw that we, we you see on LMFM there, you know, Betty's Town yesterday, that incident was not nice in Betty's Town yesterday and Gardaí are appealing for help. Uh, I mentioned Anna Gaston. I know from family, uh, people couldn't get onto the beach there. We heard about Clotterhead being jammed as well. Jason was talking about Port Marnock you know Sea Point yeah I I, I just say again you know people are exuberant after the last year or more and calming that is difficult especially when the weather Mm, takes off like this you know what I mean I'm not trying to justify it in any way but I will say to you that people there's that pent up desire to get out and about to enjoy the weather to meet people and it's difficult it is difficult and we're still wary of you know what, in the background. But I can understand. I don't understand the litter and rubbish and the bottles left, and behind, yeah. left behind and people being drunk in public. There's no need for that. But those things are not a good side of it. But I do understand people feeling like that. I I really do. Was I telling you I was doing a little, I mentioned there at the top of the show that April was the most, was the frostiest month, April. April mm. just gone by in over 60 years. 60 years 60 years years, it was the the most frost on nights and it continued into May and the average temperatures were between 1.5 and 2 degrees below normal you mightn't think that's much but it's a lot you know what I mean? When it's consistently happening as well. And that's that period that we... we and there's no
8: reason for it, like? It's just... No, nah, it's
3: just nothing. the jet stream. The jet stream. You know, this jet stream <laughs> thing that we... It's bringing this warmer stuff to us now. Stay there, jet stream. Don't budge. Please stay in that vein for the the next three to four months. But look at we are an island nation on the edge of Europe at the Atlantic at one side. And it is very difficult, you know, to, to predict. And I think that's the attraction as well, coming back to it, of going away to guaranteed sunshine. Yeah. You know, that's uh, Jason made that point well there. To so us you have to wrong. bring
8: like four different jackets if you yeah, go anywhere you in Ireland. You do, you to do. Suit uh, all
3: occasions. You no, know, I'm sure people remember those times of going for a week to a, a mobile home or a caravan or something like mm. that, and it never stopped raining for the week. Wouldn't that just be torture with a family? Mm.
8: Torture. With young kids, absolutely. Oh,
3: you'd just be as well being at home, to be honest with you. I, I say that. I have one uh, philosophy on this with small children. I wouldn't bring cho- small children on holidays anywhere. No. Nope. At all. No, I wouldn't be bothered bringing little things on holidays.
8: What ages are you? Think a child.
3: You need a child. Like you're talking about a baby, one, two, three, that type of age. You know, coming into four, five. I suppose you'd start considering. You know, uh, there, bringing it. But abroad
8: or anywhere, just anywhere, even in the country.
3: Your back garden. (laughs) <laughs> is the best holiday destination ever for children uh, oh, no. and the local beach or the local amenities as well I just think you're put and especially abroad I mean especially abroad bringing them you know on flights when they're small and their ears are popping and then and they're not sleeping they're not sleeping and the temperatures why would you put yourself through that crucifixion
8: why although, would you do it although I know when my little one was a baby's be Weren't going on holidays because she wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Uh, so we went down to Banna Beach three years in a row, down mm. in Kerry, and it was absolutely amazing. I think the Fabulous. Irish,
3: The uh, I'll allow you, I'll allow you, I'll, you. I'll allow you in Irish, <laughs> I'll allow you in Irish. But anything beyond that, flights and bringing them away in the heat and the upset, forget it till they're about five. Anyway, and then away you go, you can work away. That's just yours. Truly speaking from... A few years' experience, as they say. I never did it, and I I just think it's not worth it. That's just a personal opinion. People do it, and they probably tell me to get on great, and there's not a bother to them. But there you go. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. It takes all sorts, doesn't it? It does indeed. And up next, it takes Sean Collins to reflect 100 years ago to 1921. Thanks, Kevin. Hi, Jerry. myself and my wife are heading to Dingle Friday. Three nights in the Dingle Bay Hotel for 597 with breakfast each morning. I thought this was a great price, Kevin. Uh, lovely to hear from you this afternoon. It is. It's a very good price. And a bank holiday weekend as well. Thank you, Kevin, for letting us know. Breaking news. No rose of Tralee for the second year in a row. There's no Rose of Tralee Festival. It's just been announced. It's cancelled again this year. So, uh, 2022, they're hoping the Rose will be back. Big loss to the Kerry economy when we're talking about, uh, you know, staycations and travel and uh, holidays at home here in Ireland. Now... It was an entirely different story a hundred years ago this time in the country. The war of independence raged on. Over two hundred people lost their lives in the month of May, and that included fatalities right here in the Northeast. And to fill us in on our history, I'm delighted to welcome back historian Sean Collins. Hello again, Sean.
2: Hi Jerry, how are you?
3: I'm good. Yes, that's a lot of people dying in a month, Sean.
2: Yes, in May uh, we started on the very first day of May, there were 30 um, violent deaths as a result of what was happening in the country. Uh, One of the first was a man called Henry Cowie, who was an RIC officer at Newbliss and Monaghan. Uh, The war was at its height Uh, upwards on 1600 would die over the six months of the war. So May is the second last month Uh, in the month itself 226 people in total uh, died violently as a result of the war. Soldiers, RIC men, black and tans, IRA volunteers, farmers, farm labourers, shop workers, ex-servicemen. It was right across the board. It was really tragic. Uh, Typically, of of what was going on in in many parts of the country, on the 14th of May, uh, John Joseph McGee, who lived in Millgrange and Green Ore. Uh, his headstone says he was an IRA section commander. The house was surrounded by black and tans, and the family offered them money not to take their son, uh, John jo- John Joseph, but they took him. And a few minutes after they left the house, the shots were heard and he was found lying in the field not far from his home. And, and that was just typical uh, of what was happening all around the country. Um, It's said to have been a retaliation because a policeman was wounded uh, a few days previously in uh, a passing shooting. Um, Locally, uh, the IRA blamed a Brown family who were uh, Protestant landowners in the area, and they burned our house down. And again, that was typical of what was going on at the time. Uh, I saw on the 19th of May, uh, Sean Collins, uh, a man was killed in an ambush. So it wasn't me, but maybe some people would be glad it had been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: no, Sean, don't be so hard on yourself. Go on.
2: <laughs> Joseph Anderson, an RA seaman based at garminston was killed at Hampton and Balbriggan by the IRA. He was a bandmaster in Gormonston and a group of four IRA men approached him and killed him at Hampton. Um, in Gwadda, on the 23rd of May, Thomas Morgan, uh, from Francis Street, who was a butcher uh, in the abattoir in Dyer Street, uh, was drinking in Connolly's Bar in Shop Street uh, with a group of aux- auxiliaries uh, when a gun he was handing went off, and he died later off from his wounds, uh, leaving uh, a widow and young children. But it was just typical of the time. There were so many guns around. Uh, it was easy to find yourself on the receiving end while not intentional. Uh, At Carnaross in County Mead, Brian Bradley, a postman, was court-martialed by the IRA. He was proved to be a spy, and he was executed by members of the Muller Company. It was said that he had compiled lists of local IRA members for the authorities. But he was just an ordinary postman, so it's a very sad story. Uh, In the month itself, on the 3rd of May, The Government of Ireland Act was finally given its Royal Assent, which led to a general election on the 14th to the 15th of May, when in Ireland there were 128 seats for the Southern Parliament, and 124 of those seats were won by Sinn Féin, uncontested. Uh, There were four Unionists successful, but um, the 124 Sinn Féin seat holders. Uh, would not take their seats in the Commons. They declared the establishment of the second Dáil uh, since 1918, uh, and they sat in Dublin. Uh, Up north in Ulster, uh, the country had now been divided uh, by the Government of Ireland Act, and uh, there were 60 seats in Ulster, and 40 of them were won by the Unionist Party, and 22 were different other parties uh, independent unionists, some Labour and a number of nationalists. I suppose the highlight of the month that everybody talks about was the burning of the Customs House in Dublin. Mm. Uh, it was one of 107 attacks carried out in Dublin during May by the IRA. Uh, the volunteers uh, attacked the Customs House. Uh, the Dublin IRA units occupied and borne it. It was the centre of local government in Ireland. The building uh, was quickly surrounded, forced by two companies of auxiliaries and then several hundred more British Army troops. Five IRA volunteers and three civilians were killed and about 80 volunteers were captured. Four auxiliaries were wounded in the firing. The operation was a major publicity coup, but a military disaster for the IRA. Interestingly enough, a local connection with the attack on the uh, forecourts two IRA volunteers, Hattie and Stephen O'Reilly, who were killed uh, in the attack. Uh, Their father came from the Marsh Road. He had moved up to Dublin uh, in 1900 where he married uh, a lady called Sybil Masterson who was from County Mead. Uh, So their roots were here in this area and they both sadly died at the attack on the customs house. Uh, Stephen O'Reilly, the younger of the two, Interestingly enough, uh, was a bit of a journalist, and he had contributed on a number of occasions uh, to the Mead Chronicle. Uh, I have wondered, was there a connection with John Boyle O'Reilly? Because both their father, Thomas, and their uncle, Patrick, who was still living in the town in 1911, both worked as compositors uh, in the print and trade. Mm. So there's a strong connection to that whole journalistic thing, but I don't know if they were related yes. to O'Reilly. ask a local connection. Local
3: that. connection. That's very interesting because we were talking last week with a lady about the loss of the, all the records, Sean, and the gap that's left in history, you know, with everything just that was destroyed. But I want to ask you this about the Northern Ireland Parliament. The King uh, came over and opened the Parliament and he called for reconciliation.
2: When he well, there's uh, no doubt about that, but I have to stop you there because he didn't come to June.
3: All right, later. <laughs> well, it's June tomorrow, so let's just for a second. I, it's June tomorrow, so let me just jump the gun on that. No pun intended, but let me ask you this: you know, calling for reconciliation at the opening of a parliament of a divided country was a bit a bit rich.
2: It was a bit rich, but still his intentions were good, his intentions were honorable, and um, the Government of Ireland Act effectively divided Ireland into two uh, separate units. Uh, Ulster and the Free State. Now, the militants in the South were not happy with that. It would take another year and a civil war uh, to settle the whole notion of the Free State. But they proceeded in uh, May, or sorry, on the 6th of June, the King arrived in Belfast for the opening of Stormont. And he appealed to all Irishmen of whatever tradition uh, to be magnanimous and to stretch out the hand of friendship to their neighbours. Uh, Unfortunately, there there was a lot more to it than that. But that's what was happening. The King, I would say, was being very honourable. But a lot of people in Ireland weren't happy with uh, the British government and the things that were going on at the time. But by mid-1921, the IRA had reached an impasse. Despite its vast improvement as a fighting force since the days of close-over drilling after Sunday mass, it was too poorly armed to have much hope of dislodging the enemy. From his heavily fortified strongholds. But the opposing forces and the government behind them had also reached an impasse. Some historians believe the IRA by virtue of having stayed in the fight against a better equipped and more powerful enemy won by forcing the British to the negotiation table. Now, negotiations were going on in the background. While all this killing uh, was going on and all this violence in Ireland, uh, Arthur Griffith. Uh, uh, on behalf of De Valera, had been in touch with the British authorities and they were talking in the background about the whole notion of a truce. Uh, De Valera and Griffith were enough of realists to realise that the, there was no way that the IRA could maintain the attack. They couldn't maintain the war because they hadn't got the guns, they hadn't got the equipment, their supplies had been cut off from every angle. So it was amazing that they managed to keep going as long as they did. And as I said earlier, you know, in the month of May, 107 attacks in Dublin alone on the British authorities by the IRA would give you some indication of what was happening. And as a background to that, when you read through the uh, Dundalk, Drahada or Nav and Mead newspapers, normal life was being carried on. They were still reporting Mm. uh, on, on football matches and concerts and plays and the local business that was still being carried out, but it was against a background of violence all over the country.
3: You, often and I've, I've asked you this question before. The settling of the issue—it's never settled. Will it ever be settled? In the name of God, but you know that settlement at the time you mentioned Devilleir and Griffith there, and going back to and not partaking in the talks in London and all that type of stuff—was it inevitable, Sean? That you know. Ulster was created of the six counties?
2: Well, I I think um, I recently uh, gave a a course on the uh, whole century. Uh, And looking back on it, I had to do a lot of revision myself to remind myself of what it was all about. But what comes across to me is from about 1911 onwards, the British were anxious to get rid of Northern Ireland. Uh, The hardline unionists fought their cause and were supported in many ways, but the British themselves, I feel, no longer wanted to hold on to any part of Ireland. And, and I feel the the events in the last few months would show us the same. Mm. Uh, they've now exited from um, Europe, and uh, I wonder, are we going to end up with a, a 32-county island where it's shot being fired, because it will be the, the, the effects that Europe will cause, that the EU will cause across the, the continent, I can see I'll send them up, but it's a 32-county uh, country uh, by default. Uh, and as I said, and thanks for the call, not a shot for it.
3: Interesting times indeed, Sean, lie ahead and when we reflect on those times, my God, they were awful when you think of the loss of life and the atrocities and all that was going on a 100 years ago at this time. I've jumped into June, but only a little, forgive me. We'll be back with Sean in the month of June for uh, another update and a look back at Ireland 100 years ago, 1921. Sean, always appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. That's Sean Collins there, reflecting on this time a century ago. You have a a news flash on kettles for me, Louise.
8: Just that the European recycling platform gave out figures, and one in four people in Ireland recycled a kettle last year.
3: Not surprising. I Everybody recycled was at one, home. yeah, I recycled one myself last week. last week. Yeah. again. No, do you remember I told you I had to change the kettle and I had it sitting in the garage at home and I went to the recycle centre so I took it with me. Oh gotcha. And popped it into the uh Did you
8: not just bring it back and give it to the person when you got your new kettle?
3: No No, no, I'm not. I had I went to the recycling centre and put it into the old uh Place where reused or unused or unloved or busted kettles go, yeah, into the big container. There was a lot of them in it. Now that you mention it, you know they they break down the different uh, small electrical equipment and that. And I went to the kettle one and put it in with the other kettles, and we're all delighted to see my kettle and said we're all in the same boat here. (laughs) We're all you know what friends again. Yeah, we're all you know what. I wonder what happens from there. You know when you do recycle them, they. Obviously, do they melt them down and take them apart and take the bits out with them? You'd like to think they do.
8: Them, so, yeah.
3: You know, you have the lead and the plug and plastic elements of the kettle and then the metal, the element, all that type of thing. I think it goes and they do what they, they say with it, that it is actually recycled. But I'm not surprised. One in four. So one in four people last year recycled the kettle.
8: Mm-hmm. 19% then uh, recycled TV. Mm-hmm. But with the lockdown, not surprised with that either, are you? No, people might have went for a bigger version, bigger or... and
3: upgraded, on that as well. That's for sure. But isn't it good to hear? Well, I suppose that's par for the course with kettles. What were you saying? How long will a kettle last? Year, I get about a year, isn't it?
8: I did recycle uh, one last year. It actually broke during lockdown. it wouldn't open the lid, the top yes. of it wouldn't open. Yeah, but so... I suppose maybe it's one to two years.
3: Yeah, I think that's really the lifespan of them because and and when we were we were saying before in a hard water area, you know, it's it's tough on the old kettle. The element gets filled up. But what did somebody tell us? Vinegar, put vinegar in. Yeah, yeah. Vinegar is the tip if you have the hard hard. Don't leave it in though. No, 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 no. That <laughs> won't, a nice cup of tea. won't do you good. But anyway, that's a little uh, stat on recycling statistics. Did you see that? And this um, would be of interest, I'm sure, to you, Louise, and many other people uh, listening today. Primary school children are to be taught languages.
8: Oh, that's great news. Yeah, I thought so as well. Some schools kind of do a taster for them, but they don't keep it on like.
3: Yeah, the department is offering so many schools yeah. to, to trial this for them. According to a substantial number, I have to say, it'll begin in third class.
8: And what languages do they say? No.
3: They didn't say at the moment, but it's always something I felt. I know we mm-hmm. did it in secondary school. I did a couple of languages, but the earlier you introduce it, the, the better. Yes yeah, your you know. kids
8: are like sponges yes
3: and and they'll pick it up quicker I would say it will be French uh, primarily French mm. you know what I mean it, uh, Spanish and Italian German well,
8: That's what I was asking because I know in post-primary level Spanish is really you know popular mm. but but you can't get a Spanish teacher it's very hard to get Spanish teachers. Right.
3: Okay, Spana listening today, we need you. We need your people to come here and teach us. We need your teachers. No, I don't want you to leave your system uh, denuded of teachers either. But um, yeah, so Spanish is popular. I would say it's those type of languages. German maybe as well. Yeah, and it's good to introduce at a young age because, I, I you know, for, for future... Um, life and travel and perhaps work on that as well mm. to be proficient. Now I'm not knocking the Irish language. The Irish language is lovely, and people should learn our native mm. tongue, and that should be encouraged. But to have a
8: working language
3: yeah a working a living working language
8: you'd want to make sure that you know if they start to teach Japanese in primary school it follows through into post-primary yeah but yeah, I think they have that language there yeah as but well.
3: I, I think that's a fair point I think what they'll do is they'll surely dovetail primary mm, into, into the to. second level you know what I mean that's your are forming a basis for the languages that will be taught but I welcome it like yourself I think it's a, a very good move and something I'd like to see developed in years to come that children are introduced to language in primary school from a young age you're with late lunch on LMFM radio this Monday afternoon the last day of may I say again June with us tomorrow still to come on the show my artist of the week we'll be telling you about him shortly and playing our first piece and then paula stokes will join us brilliant brilliant exhibition she's from navin uh, to do with the potato famine all coming up on late lunch after this one well i better mention this it's otis reading sitting on the dock of the bay then we head to news weather and sport al's been in touch today perhaps it's time jerry to talk again about mobility issues and on street tables and dining that's a good point al it is uh, lots of on uh, street stuff going up and being constructed around the pl- place now in our towns and villages and you have to think about people who have issues with mobility and have to get about what about those people i'll come back to it i promise you jerry says "Jean, my grandson is learning sign language in first class primary isn't that fantastic well done That's great. That's another brilliant thing to be taught and learn for children as well. Thanks for letting us know, Jean, this afternoon. Now... I told you would be dancing on the ceiling with my Artist of the Week, and you will be. Lionel Brockman Ritchie Jr. was born on June 20th, 1949. He'll be 72 in three weeks' time. Yes, Lionel Ritchie is my Artist of the Week, and his career began as a student in the 60s. He was part of a number of different rhythm and blues groups. Then in 1968, he joined the Commodores singing and playing saxophone, and he spent the next 14 years with them until he embarked on a solo career in the late 80s. With the Commodores, Richie enjoyed much success with hits like Do you remember them? Easy, Three Times a Lady, Sail On, Lady, and Still. Yet it was Lionel Richie's ability to write and deliver those powerful love ballads that ultimately saw him strike out on his own. He released his debut solo album in 1982, three top 5s in the USA, My Love, You Are, and the big number 1 Truly. I begin Lionel Richie's story with this one today. I love it. Stuck on Ah yes, Lionel Ritchie.
9: Love that song.
3: Really do. Going back to the 80s there for sure. But Lionel is my Artist of the Week this week and we'll hear more about him and more wonderful songs over the uh, coming days here on Your Late launch. We dedicate that to Brendan Connolly in Dundalk who's celebrating his birthday today. That comes in from all your family and friends. Now, next up on Late Lunch, a final guest this Monday is a very interesting lady. She's originally from Navin in County Mead, living in Seattle in the United States. But she's home with um, an exhibition called 1845 Memento Mori. And we're going to find out more about it in a moment. Yes, my next guest is an immigrant. She's originally from Navin, but she's been based for quite some time now in Seattle in the United States. She's an artist and a brilliant artist. And her latest exhibition is called 1845 Memento Mori. It's a famine memorial dedicated to the Irish famine. And she's on the line with me on late lunch day before she says au revoir to us here again. Paula Stokes, Hello. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not at all. It's about time we had a chat with you. May I say the heartiest congratulations. This is simply brilliant. Is it true it's taken 15 years to get together?
9: Um, yes. Well, it actually started 15 years ago. A lot of people have been um, asking and kind of laughing that I'm very slow. It took <laughs> me 15 years to make it. But the, um, the idea started 15 yeah. years ago and then... Um, Probably about three years ago I actually really committed to making the work and then of course when I was ready to show it in Ireland last year everything got postponed and we rescheduled it to this summer. So here I am.
3: (laughs) Here you are is right. Now just for our listeners, explain. This is work in hand-blown glass.
9: That's correct. Um, So the title of the exhibition, 1845 Memento Mori, has a significance. Uh, The year 1845 was the year that the famine came to Ireland. And, um I chose to make one thousand eight hundred and forty five hand blown glass potatoes using the symbolism of that that year uh to create uh, essentially a massive mound representing a grave or a kern, and it is a, a tribute to those who um who died and survived the famine.
3: It's particularly poignant, may I say, and touching when you think that over one and a half million people died, over a million emigrated all over the world as well. And really, Ireland was devastated. Our population almost fell by a quarter at the time. And, you know, it's it's a stain on our history. When when I say those words, it's a stain on history. Not so much ours. When you think of, you know, we were part of the British Empire at the time and the role played by London in all of this. W- what's your thinking? Behind the exhibition,
9: well, I think it's a um, a very complicated history, and it's a shared history, and there were a lot of factors that contributed to it, um, including poor government um, at that time. Um, But there there, there are lots of there are lots of uh, I couldn't even go down that path on a on a radio show. I wouldn't Mm. have the time. Yes, and there are experts on it. um, But for me, it really is about um, personally as an artist. The reason why I wanted to commemorate it and to memorialise it is really is about. Um, kind of honouring our past and our heritage and understanding who we are and what has made us who we are, especially as I am myself a member of the Irish diaspora, even though the circumstances of my emigration are obviously drastically different from those who left in the 1800s. But then when you think of how the Irish have travelled all over the world and the impact that the Irish diaspora has had on on the world itself, it's, it's pretty remarkable for this tiny island... As I say, floating around in the Atlantic Ocean, and over 70 million people worldwide claim some some sort of Irish heritage, and that's really remarkable, and it's a real testament to to we as Irish people and our resilience and our ability to adapt, and um, you know, and just you know, get on with it. I guess in a way, so um, I think it's a. It's a, it's a tribute also for the living and for those who are emigrants now as well, like myself.
3: Mm, mm, that's interesting because you have a big part in this yourself. But I'm sure you've been thinking as you put this together and created all those individual glass potatoes, 1,845 of them, you know, it couldn't help but escape. You know, when you think back to those times, the circumstances people left in with nothing and going into the unknown.
9: Yeah, absolutely. It was just tragic, and for so many people, often a lot of people, um, you know, didn't even speak English. They were emigrating to mm. America, and they were just so vulnerable, and um, and leaving their home forever on a one-way ticket. If they were fortunate enough to survive the passage, and um, it's it is a, it's an absolute tragedy, it's a national tragedy, and I think it informs so much of who we are today as people and how we behave in the world. And I think, on a positive side, I think. We think of all the philanthropy and generosity of Irish people, you know, in time, in, for countries in famine mode. Um, you know, this is a great sense of obligation and a sense of uh, connection and compassion. I think that is a very special and inherent Irish trait.
3: How did the launch go in um, Strokes Park House on Saturday? And you were honoured uh, that Irish ambassador Dan Mulhall uh, launched it for you.
9: I was absolutely thrilled. I have to say, uh, Ambassador Mulhall and the Department of Foreign Affairs in the United States have been huge supporters of this project for the many years that I've been working on it. And uh, it was an, an actually uh, Ambassador Mulhall also graciously wrote an essay. Uh, he's a historian himself, and he wrote an essay for the catalogue that accompanies the exhibition, kind of giving some context of the Irish in America. So it was great. It was um, it was a virtual launch, so it wasn't the usual, you know, mm. having a garden party raising a glass of wine and all that great kind of interaction that you normally would have. But we, you know, we worked around it and um, we were very conscious of the fact that we're in the middle of COVID still. So how could we do something that would engage with people? And we used the Internet. And um, he taped a lovely introduction. And then uh, there was a conference, a virtual conference of um, experts from all over the world who do famine studies. And I was the opening act So we did it online and there is some amazing footage that the Irish Heritage Trust has created in both photography and video so that people who may not be able to go to the exhibition for whatever reason um, can actually enjoy it and see it and it'll be on their website. And uh, we set up the exhibition as well in the walled gardens so that people don't have to walk into a building to see it, they can view it from outside, which was very important because again... We were kind of working around what the restrictions are, but the gardens there are absolutely beautiful, Jerry. I mean, mm. they're, they're, I keep saying, I feel like I work for the, the tourist Board, but um, <laughs> it's so accessible. And, you know, because a lot of people yes. are holidaying at home this summer, there are so many gems around Ireland. And I can say that probably as the emigrant who's gone away, often we forget how beautiful our own country is. Mm. And you can hop in your car, get down to Ross Common bring a picnic and get out there and uh, you have access to this amazing estate and, um, you know, support these local entities and institutions that are part of our natural you know, treasures and um, you know, just get out and see them and yes. enjoy them and be proud of them.
3: I'm with you all the way on that one. And it moves on to Johnstown Castle Estate, heading up north then to the Ulster Museum's American Folk Park and then back to the National Museum of Ireland uh, Country Life all over the next couple of years. I'm dying to ask you this question. It's yeah. in
9: glass. There are 1,845 <laughs> of them. Do you get nervous when it's moved? Well, you know, you have to, when you work in glass, um, and there are many of us, there's a huge glass community in Ireland, by the way, just FYI, um, they're hidden around everywhere <laughs> in mm. studios all over the country, and, um, you know, you have to have a, you, you, I pack them very carefully, and um, but there's always a chance that glass will break, and um, I, I made extras, and because sometimes I get a bit excited when I'm handling them, and they are fragile, but they're also pretty strong, so um, I rely on a good driver, driving the work around the countryside, and um And then packing it up, I just pack them up very carefully, wrap them up in bubble wrap and then um, put them in these really sturdy boxes and then say a prayer to um whoever the patron saint is of saints <laughs> uh, of artists and say and glass floors and hoped you know and but i've been very successful so far so yeah. it is it is a concern but you know yes there are ways around it
5: ah <laughs>
3: uh, you're a woman out of my own heart a couple of extra spuds in the pot always you have to do it you have to do it and it's the same with the glass and the exhibition i, I say it again this is magnificent it's a fantastic credit to you and uh, you're heading back tomorrow to seattle
9: I am. I'm heading back. I've been home for almost three weeks. And um, so I hope to return in July to take the exhibition down and uh, then transfer it over to Wexford. And um, God willing, you know, things will start moving forward. Um, ahead you know for more easy mm. travel and, um, and I'll be home hopefully a couple of times this year to do it um, at the different institutions but yeah I'm heading back to sunny Seattle tomorrow and I'm, I think I'm taking the sun with me because I think it's going to start raining on Wednesday I'm sorry <laughs>
3: <laughs> ah, listen don't be that pessimistic it'll be a little bit of rain but you look it it's Ireland we get over it and we'll have the sun back please God again soon you obviously love your adopted home
9: I do. You know, I've lived there almost 30 years, yes. which is um, longer than I've been. a um, longer, than, More than twice as long as yes. I've been. Or no, whatever. It's like I've lived there longer than I've lived in Ireland. Um, Ar- Seattle's beautiful. It's got a very similar climate to Ireland. It's The landscape is very lush and green. Uh, the people are lovely. And um, I, you know, I miss home. I, I was in the shops earlier and I said it was home. And the person looked at me and I said, well, I'm lucky I have two homes. I have Navin is my home, Ireland's my home, and I have another home in America. So I feel blessed. And um, so, you know, thank God for airplanes that I can get back and forth to see my family here um, as often as I can.
3: Mm, Sure thing. Well, listen, when you're back in July, we'll have another chat and we'll talk a little bit more about you and going out there and more of your work as well. But I just wanted to touch base with you before we lost you for a few weeks until you're back and say again, this is simply brilliant and it's in Common at the moment, Strokes Park House. Folks, you should put it on your itinerary to go there and see this and it's just, I can't say enough of in praise of it, I have to say. And uh, well done to you again, uh, the whole thought behind it and bringing it together from thought process to creation over all these years. 1845, Memento Mori, the famine memorial by Navin's own Paula Stokes. Paula, Paula safe journey and we'll See you later in the year.
9: Sounds great, Jerry. Thanks a million. All Take the
3: care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Paula Stokes there from Navina. Brilliant lady. So talented. So wonderful. Bringing us to the end of our first late lunch of the week, the last of May as we head into June tomorrow. Now, coming up on the show... We'll be hybrid working, all of us from now on. That's the way of the world. Kira Gargan knows all about it, how to combine home and office. She's with us tomorrow. Ricky Gerard, yes, he has a brilliant new book about the local drama societies. And, of course, we'll say hello to Paul Moina on Tuesday, as usual. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Have a lovely evening. Get out into the gardens. It's the place to holiday this week. If you're at work, it certainly is. And we'll see you tomorrow for late lunch, Tuesday, half one. Take care. The Late Lunch with
2: Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie.
0: Imagine
1: the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.